always acknowledge and reinforce and celebrate the uniqueness and the importance of each individual on your team to the extent that you can. That goes a long way for keeping people to want to stay with the organization and give you their best. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Wilco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table Fed by Wilco Foods. I am your host, Stephen Toberoff, and I've been really getting a, a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls from people in the industry that are absolutely delighted to be as busy as they are but they're confronting a number of different challenges, challenges with their vendors, challenges with respect to their workforce, challenges all over the place. And I've had some really great conversations, and I thought I would put together this podcast and go through some strategies or ideas that I've come up with after these conversations and thinking about it that'll hopefully be helpful in in enabling those in the hospitality industry to navigate what I would like to call growing pains or just challenges with the the ramp up in volume that people are seeing and got a lot of great information and I want to share it with everybody. So let's just jump right into this now. There are a few key areas where people are having issues that I have some ideas on and others have shared ideas with me on. One is with respect to their vendors. One is with respect to their staffs. One is with respect to their customers. And then of course, with themselves, you know, how does one take care of one's stress level and, and everything else while while dealing with all of this. And so I'm just going to break it down into those four categories. And, you know, just full disclosure, in addition to hosting this podcast, I'm the CEO of Woolco Foods. We're a broadline distributor for the hospitality industry, a lot of uh, customer concentration in New York City, New Jersey, Jersey City, Hoboken, suburbs, et cetera. But the purpose of this podcast is not to in any way promote our business, but to just share insights. But I did want to share that with everybody. So at least everybody, in case they didn't know that, would know that what my day job is, as it were. Okay. So the first is with respect to vendors. Okay. Now, right now, we're at a moment in time where one of the biggest challenges that businesses in the hospitality industry are facing is product shortages. And this is a huge macro issue that cuts across all types of businesses, but is certainly impacting the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry. There are product shortages in almost every category, whether it's baked goods, whether it's gourmet cheeses, whether it's imported products, whether it's non-food items. That's a fact. There's a lot of reasons why it's happening. You can read about them in the paper with respect to container shortages coming out of Asia and Europe, unanticipated huge demand, people accelerating orders for the Christmas season earlier in the year to make sure they get it. And so all of this is putting enormous pressure on the supply chain and leading to a shortage of products. And of course, there's labor issues related to the companies that manufacture these items. So everyone's experiencing it. But you, as somebody who has to run your business, you have to be given a level of communication and clarity and updates from your vendor. So it's not enough for your vendor to simply say to you, oh, we're short, or I'll let you know, or we'll get back to you. You can't run your business effectively with that level of communication. So what you should be getting from your vendors, at least, is as clear an indication as possible as to what the status is regarding products that you're short. 
and demand honesty. If they don't know, they'll say, look, we don't know when this is coming in. Here's what the cause is. We're actively searching. I'll give you an update every two weeks. If they do know when it's going to come in, they can let you know we're anticipating this in a month and we're not sure when we're going to get our next delivery after that. So make sure you order heavy. But the point is when it comes to this product shortages, while your distributor or your vendor may not be able to solve that problem for you, in fact, they almost certainly cannot, they can absolutely communicate with you in a manner that's going to give you clarity and that'll enable you to make decisions to run your business. And it's something you should absolutely be getting and something you should be asking for. The second issue, which is specific to vendors, this has nothing to do with the supply chain, this has everything to do with your vendor, is I'm hearing from a lot of our customers that some of the people we compete against are not showing up on time, they're not showing up at all on a given day, they're telling customers they won't be there for a day or two. If you read in the paper, some of the bigger distributors around the country put a pause on delivering their customers uh, for one, two, three weeks. So that means you don't get any delivery for two to three weeks. The only way you can solve that problem, as I can tell, is one, you want to get clarity as to when that's going to come into play. And two, you want to have relationship with a vendor that hopefully can service you. You cannot be in a position where you're called one day and say you're not going to get product. You should not be in a position where day after day, week after week, you're not given your delivery or your delivery shows up at six o'clock at night. I recognize that things are extremely busy right now, but it's my belief that issues such as the logistical ones I've described, I mean, people are lowering their cutoff time, people are ramping up their minimum order size, people are doing a lot of things to really disincentivize certain customers from ordering from them. Certain vendors who last year didn't have any stadium business, didn't have any university business, didn't have any public school business, they're now being flooded with those orders. And they've made a decision that those are priorities. And if you're an independent restaurant or if you're someone that's smaller down the chain, for them, you're not a priority. It's a business decision. It's nothing personal. But you have to run your business. So the most important thing you have to do, I believe, is even though it's inconvenient and even though, you know, you're very busy, you have to reach out to alternative vendors and alternative sources for product because you want to make sure that you're not going to be in a position where you don't get delivery for a week or two. Some of the changes that have been made, we haven't made these and we're not going to make them, but some have lowered their delivery window so that if you want to get an order for next day delivery, they've lowered it to 7 p.m. Some have lowered it as early as 1 p.m. I don't think those changes are going to ever go back to what they were before. So if you can't run your business with the constraints that are being put upon you, you have to at least try to come up with a better solution. You owe it to yourself. It's something restaurants avoid doing a lot because you have relationships with your rep or it takes time and the unknown is always scary and I get that. But a lot of these challenges that you're facing with respect to your vendors, it's my opinion, these are not going to abate perhaps ever and certainly not for a long time. And so the sooner you establish relationships with other vendors or come up with other strategies the better you're going to be in terms of navigating those issues. And so what you want to make sure of is, am I going to get my delivery, you know, nine times out of 10 within my delivery window? Am I going to get a call back from my rep? Am I going to be able to order at the time I need to order? These are crucial things that are being absolutely disrupted. And the only solution I have is you just have to do what you can to pursue alternative sources of product.
okay? Because it's not going to end, uh, in my opinion, in the near future, and you owe it to yourself to have that, okay? Now, the other thing which you absolutely need at this moment in time from your vendor is a representative of that company that's working with you as a problem solver. Give it, So, for example, prices are going through the roof on a lot of different products. That's not the vendor's fault. That's just the nature of the inflation that's in the marketplace. But what your vendor can do for you and what they should be doing for you is giving you ideas on alternative products, working with you on menu planning, working with you to navigate the issues that they can do. You want a partner. You want someone who's there to actually help you and has the ability to help you, not someone who's just constantly telling you what they can't do and how you're going to have to conform to the way they want business done or they're not going to transact with you. That's no way to run your business. So this might be eye-opening to some people who have been dealing with relationships where they don't get that support, but that's not the way it should be. Vendors shouldn't be there just to deliver you your product. There should be representatives, whether it's your sales rep, a customer service rep, somebody in that organization should be working with you, giving you information, helping you plan and strategize around some of the challenges that you're facing. And if that's not happening, that's something you absolutely want to have happen. And then the final thing to just be aware of is in this environment, a lot of the vendors are doing things, for example, they're imposing a fee on split cases. They're doing different things to try to generate additional revenue or disincentivize people from ordering. Price increases, that happens in the industry and it's an inflationary environment. That's something that we're always watching, we're always looking at, and that's just the nature of the beast. But a lot of additional upcharges for split cases, for other things, are not just customary. And it's something you absolutely want to watch out for as you move forward throughout the transactions that you have with your distributor. So those are the ideas and strategies that I have with respect to what you should be asking for and what you should be aware of when dealing with your vendors to navigate the challenges that are in place right now. Some of them, as I say, are of a macro nature that can't be controlled, but certainly communication is always of paramount importance. And then there are things that are within the control of the vendor to at least address or improve upon. And these are things you should absolutely be asking for. The second issue I want to get into is staff and staffing. Obviously, finding people and finding great people is a challenge. Finding great people is always a challenge. Finding people in general has been a challenge for quite a while. Uh, it's been a particular challenge in the hospitality industry and I've been speaking with a lot of customers about this, and uh, they've shared some ideas, and I've come up with some. So here's the first thing that you want to be doing. You need to be in recruitment mode for staff right now. There's competition amongst restaurants and hotels and caterers and everybody in the hospitality space for staff. So if you're going to compete in that marketplace, you have to effectively recruit. And what it means in my mind to recruit is to utilize any and all tools that are available to reach out to people who may be a good fit for your organization. People that you know want to work in the hospitality space, people who love the food industry, people are looking to get back into it. So you want to utilize every channel that's available, whether that's your existing team, maybe they have friends, maybe it's people you know socially. The obvious answers are the websites and others, but be creative. Every communication, every vehicle that's out there you want to at least think about as being a tool for you to use to enhance your recruitment ability because it's very important right now. If you're not doing that, you're going to be at a disadvantage to people who are. 
as part of that, you really want to understand what your story is that you're communicating to potential staff. Obviously, compensation is a huge part of it. But if you have a really great workplace where everybody gets along and it's a family environment and you've been in business a long time and people have fun and you do certain things that are unique, make that part of your recruitment message. People want to hear that. You know, if people are getting back into the workforce, they want to join somewhere where they think it's going to be a great experience for them, not just about compensation. The hospitality industry is a lot of fun. I see a lot of people on Instagram doing great things to really highlight how fun their establishment is, not just for consumers, but for the people that work there. If anyone's ever worked in the hospitality industry as a waiter or a waitress or a manager, I know I have, there's nothing more unpleasant than working in a boring down environment, you know? And if you have a lively, fun, team-oriented environment, make that part of your recruitment. You know, have a few Instagram videos that show how fun it is at your place. Uh, maybe have some testimonials from people who work there. In the same way that you recruit customers to come to your business, you want to be thinking the same way because you want to recruit great people to your team. Now, once you've done that, the next thing is you want to retain them. Because in the hospitality industry, people oftentimes have different things that they're doing. Obviously, we're all familiar with people who are actors and actresses, but there's other things that people do and they use the hospitality industry as a way to make money. Then there are people who make a career of it. So you always want to be thinking about ways that you can effectively retain the people that you've got. And the way to retain people is obviously you want to make sure that your compensation structure is in order and clearly communicated to them. You want to make sure that they feel appreciated, that there's an opportunity to advance, that there's opportunities to be creative. All of the different things that make human beings excited and give them joy in what they do, you want to make sure that that's part of how you treat people once they're on your team. And I've found in my years as a CEO that, of course, compensation is important, but one of the things I always try to do is give people on my team as much opportunity as I can for them to be creative and take ownership of their tasks. And I think in the hospitality industry, whether it's a chef, whether it's a server, whether it's a mixologist, whether it's whomever, there's a level of creativity there. There's a level of uniqueness there. And you want to allow that to flourish because that really makes people enjoy their job and, of course, always make people feel appreciated. The other thing you want to do is obviously people, and it's a great thing, but restaurants are busy and people are working very hard. So you want to make sure that you're taking time out to be aware of what's going on in your establishment. Give people the support that they need. What does support look like? You can see someone's having a rough day. Jump in and help them clear a table. If you see somebody's a little down about something, just let them know, hey, you're doing okay, everything all right. You want there to be an awareness on the part of your team that people care about them and that there's a support there. And you know what? If somebody needs a personal day, obviously they're entitled to that, but you want to let people know that you're in tune with what's going on with them and that you can give them support. And it can be on the positive side too. Someone's having a great day and it's their birthday. Make a celebration about that in the restaurant. Something great happened, a celebration. One of their kids had a great grade in school or something special happened with their spouse or something special happened with them, celebrate that. Always acknowledge and reinforce and celebrate the uniqueness and the importance of each individual on your team to the extent that you can. That goes a long way for keeping people to want to stay with the organization and give you their best. 
So those are some strategies with respect to staff. Now, with respect to customers, this is obviously extremely important because we're at a moment now and in the market we're in where customers are really pouring back in and everybody is super excited to be back in their favorite restaurant or to try new restaurants or bars or to get out and enjoy the hospitality industry again. But obviously, in the same way that you want to have a level of communication with your vendors, which we discussed, same goes with your customers. So for example, if there's certain items on the menu that are not available, let the customer know as soon as they sit down. You don't want a situation where somebody places an order and because of no fault of your own, you can't give it to them and then they're disappointed. Whereas if you let people know right when they sit down, if the server says to them, just want to let you know this item isn't here, this item's not there. And if a customer asks, tell them why. Customers love information the same way you do. You know what? We haven't been able to get that product for three weeks. I have no idea why, but here's what we've offered instead. Here's something that people who usually get that like. Turn it as an opportunity to engage with your customer in a meaningful way rather than just a bit of bad news. You've, you've given them their menu. They've made their selection. They're excited. You, they order, oh, we don't have that. Well, now it starts the whole process over again versus, hey, welcome. Thanks. We're so excited you're here. Just want to give you a heads up. These two items on the menu are not available. If they have any questions, you answer them. But you know what? People who traditionally get that like this, or you might want to try this, or maybe we can do this, or perhaps the chef can make that. That's a 180 difference in experience. And I think people will really, really appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? So that's very important with respect to the customer. The second thing is the personal touch. Again, really more or less the same as with the staff, but with your customer. People want to be acknowledged and people want to feel that their humanity or that they as individuals are unique and appreciated. One of the most important and lasting and positive things that's come out of the past year and a half is the connection between restaurateurs and those in the hospitality industry and their customers. It's much more meaningful than it's ever been. And you want to acknowledge that as you interact with your customers. So if it's your regulars and they come in, hey, what's going on, John? How's it going? Mary, how'd that thing go the other day you were telling me? I was really excited to hear about it. Know them and be authentic. Really appreciate them because these are the people that kept everything going when things were challenging. If it's a new customer, engage with them in a meaningful way. Oh, this is awesome. I'm so happy you're here. Have you ever tried this? You know, and perhaps come up with some sort of a program where, you know what, it was so wonderful for you to come back. Come back next time with a friend and the first round of drinks are on us. All of these things require work. They require training. They require repetitiveness. They require discipline, but they are essential. So really understand that people are coming back. They're excited to go out. Yes, the food and the drink and all that stuff's important, but the human interaction cannot be overstated in my view. So really make sure that you have a personal touch there, okay? And also make sure that everything about the dining out experience is a comfortable and enjoyable escape for the people coming in. People have been in their houses for a long time. Some people are still working from home. When they go out to your hospitality establishment, it really is an escape for them in a more intense manner, I would say, than it's ever been before. So you want to make the environment welcoming. You want to make it someplace where people feel comfortable. One of the things I was so delighted to see people do, and they did it quickly, is over the summer, we had people having collective watching of movie night 
or Olympic events. Now that football season's back, there's, of course, the football season. But, but restaurants and bars have been really creative in creating nights that are centered around events that people can share communally. This was a trend that was going on before the pandemic. It's come back really strong. And I'm not just talking sporting events. Some people have game night. Those are the types of things you can do one day a week or one day a month to create an environment where people say, you know what, not only do I love going to that spot because I love the cocktails or I love the burger or I love whatever it is that I love, but now it's almost like my home away from home. It's another living room for me. The value in that is incalculable. And even if you don't do one of those sort of special theme nights, you can certainly do something by just asking somebody, everything okay? Are you comfortable? Was the lighting good? Is this that good? All of these different things really have a huge impact on the customer and they have a lasting impact. And those are the types of things that you really want to double down on right now because people are coming back. It's almost another chance to make a first impression. And those restaurants that make that great impression now are going to reap the rewards far into the future, you know, versus anyone else. The other thing which I discussed in my prior podcast with Matt, but it's very important, especially right now, is... Train your staff so that you can gather information on how to reach back out to your customers, which is going to be primarily either their email or their Instagram address. You know, you can DM people that way. But it's really important for this bond that you have with your customers to go beyond just the four walls of your restaurant. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you have an email address or you have an Instagram address or you have a way of communicating with them. And you'll notice I said the word communicate, not sell. This isn't about selling. Because if you do that with people, they're going to be rightly turned off. But if you have a great relationship with your regulars, you want to be able to communicate to them and say, hey, John, I know you love this one dish. The chef is preparing something special next Tuesday that's really similar. I think you'd love to try it. Or if you have a promotion, Joan, you're phenomenal. You've been in here two nights a week for the past month. Next night, you come in with a friend. Dinner's on us. These are ways to communicate meaningfully, to show appreciation, to give information, to create value. It's my belief that so long as you're creating value and being sincere and being empathetic when you communicate, there's nothing wrong with communicate. I don't like it when the communication becomes just transactional. Hey, we have a two-for-one special. Come in here tonight. Do that. Sell. Haven't seen you. We've got a great thing here. Come in tonight. and We'll give you 10% off. I don't like that type of communication. And by the way, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe those are effective. But I have to share with you what I believe is correct and what others have told me works. If you come from a place of sincerity and value creation, people will like it. When you have that data, it puts you in a great competitive advantage to those who don't. To get that data requires training your staff. It requires a culture within your restaurant, within your bar, where people feel comfortable and trust you. And once they give you that trust, don't abuse it by spamming them. Don't abuse it by sending them nonsensical promotional stuff. Do it by creating value. I have this with a number of different businesses that I interact with. And those that send me valuable information, and some of them are huge corporations, you know, I love it. I'll give you a great example. eBay. Uh, one of my hobbies is collecting baseball cards. One of the things that eBay does, which I value, you know, not every communication, but they'll let me know if a seller that I bought from before has something available for sale. Or they'll let me know if a different card from a player that I've bought is available. That's a value to me. 
And that's at a very automated level. Just think about what you could curate for your regulars, for new customers, if you put the time and energy into it. And I can guarantee you that that level of communication and intimacy and concern and and value that you're going to create will create enormous benefits for your restaurant and word of mouth will spread. So gather that information, do it in a respectful way. And once you have it, use it in a respectful way. And I think that's extremely important. And then the final thing is to have fun. You know, at a moment like this, and, and I have the same thing in my business, you know, by the grace of God, business is very strong relative to where it was. And I remember the challenges when we were in the throes of the more challenging times last year. And I'm sure all of you that are in the hospitality space can put yourself back in that position. That was a very unpleasant challenge. Now the challenge is dealing with the growth in sales, right? And that's a much better problem to have. But of course, it's going to create stress. It's going to create anxiety. It's going to create frustration for people that are working their tail off. But you have to do everything you can to show that you're having fun. You don't want that frustration to show to your customers. You don't want that stress to show because they're there to relax. They're there to give you business. They're not really interested. And quite frankly, they don't need to be interested in the fact that two of your servers didn't come in or that you got an unanticipated demand on lobster and you're running short. Those are not issues for the customer to even be aware of. You want to discipline yourself and your team to create a fun, comfortable, stress-free environment. And the best way to do that is if you're the leader of a team, you have to behave in that manner. People are going to observe what you do and they're going to follow suit. So if you have a hair trigger temper or you're getting stressed out or you're behaving frustrated, that's going to give other people permission to do that. And it's going to set the whole thing moving in a negative direction. On the other hand, if you keep your composure, if you turn what is a seemingly negative situation into a positive one, if you're constructive, if you're upbeat, if you're looking to help others on your team, that'll also be contagious. And that's what you want to do. So have fun and don't let them see what may be going on behind the scenes because it's really not for them to see. They're there to have a good time and enjoy themselves. And the final category is taking care of yourselves. You know, as a leader of an organization, whatever capacity that is, even just a leader of yourself in life, right? We're the ones that are responsible and have to live with the decisions that we make. So in a business context, if you own a restaurant and you've been grinding through the challenge and now we've got this tremendous increase in sales and everything's great, it's still a tremendous amount of work and it's a tremendous amount of stress. And to the extent that you, the leader, the owner, the server, the mixologist, whomever, to the extent that you're doing everything you can to take care of yourself, the more effective you will be. There's a real mistake in many parts of our country, and I think New York is one of them, where perhaps taking care of ourselves is viewed as some sort of indulgent weakness. And in reality, it couldn't be farther from the truth because you're the instrument and I'm the instrument of our lives. If we're well-rested, if we feel good, if we have energy, if we've got the right mindset, we're going to be very effective. If we're stressed out, if we haven't slept, if we've eaten horribly, if, we, if we're hungover— well, you're going to get a different outcome. So you have to make the decision for your business and for yourself that you're going to take care of yourself. So what does that mean? One is stress relief, whatever that means for you. Some people it's meditation. Some people it's yoga. For me, I enjoy exercising, sometimes lifting weights, sometimes running. Whatever you find that puts you in a space where you've been able to successfully reduce some stress, 
make time every day to do that for yourself. It's not indulgent. It's necessary, okay? You know yourselves well enough. Some people have whatever it is. It could be gardening in their backyard. It could be an extra long walk with their dog. It could be whatever. But make that time every day where you decompress and you really think about things with a foundation of gratitude and you just take it slow and you breathe in and you breathe out and you take that time to recalibrate because that's going to give you a level of energy and focus that people who don't do that won't have and it'll give you an advantage. The second thing is, and it's sort of tied into it, diet, hydration, and rest. Obviously, we're adults. We do whatever we want. But just be mindful that the choices we make in terms of what we ingest, how much we sleep, they're going to impact us. And one of the common ways that people relieve stress, which is not constructive, is through eating and drinking things that just give an immediate hit, but then the lasting implications are negative. You know, and I'm not a dietitian. I'm not here to do this. I'm talking purely from a business and purely from an execution standpoint. So just be mindful that you don't want to be relieving your stress necessarily by eating a bunch of junk food and passing out or drinking three tall glasses of a cocktail and passing out. You'll relieve the stress in the moment, but then you're going to deal with the other issues. Business is a 24-7 sport, and athletes don't do that. And unfortunately, if we're in a position of responsibility, or fortunately, as I would say, we can't do that either. So just be mindful of it. That's as much a part of your success as the training of your staff, as the quality of your cuisine. To the extent you make yourself as effective as possible, it's huge. And then finally, continue to engage in the community around you. One of the most incredible things that happened over the past 18 months is it was very clear how engaged the independent restaurants and bars and, and everyone was with their community whether it's the Little League, whether it's local businesses, whether it's just a local person down on their luck. Now that we're busier, don't lose sight of that continued engagement with your community because that really is the backbone. And that can be as simple as sending out a flyer to the local businesses, just saying, thank you, we're back, anything we can do, right? That can be reaching out to some local event, Little League, block party, when those come back something that's going on. Stay engaged in your community. Be known as someone who's a part of the community because one, it feels so good to do that, to be a person who gives, to be a company that's giving, right? But also it's a foundation that those who are doing that, they reap the rewards over the last 18 months. Those that were engaged with local food banks, engaged with local women's shelters and, and, and people that were down on their luck, well, that came full circle, and I know we're busy and there's so much going on, but just make a little time every month or as much time as you can to stay engaged with your community because it's so, so important on every level. Anyway, those are ideas and thoughts that I wanted to share with you at this moment in time. As always, I really appreciate any feedback that I receive from you. So please continue to email me at stephen at wolcofoods.com or you can DM me at Wolco Foods. I really enjoy your questions. I really enjoy your insights. And if there's things you agree with, disagree with, it doesn't matter. It's all in the spirit of inquiry and improvement. And I really appreciate the time. And I do want to also take a minute and just say thank you to everybody that's been listening to this podcast and the community that we've grown. I really value it. I really appreciate it. And it's brought a lot of joy and gratitude into my life. And with that, everybody, I want to say thank you and have an awesome, awesome day. 
Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net. Thank you.